Right, we are going to start a new series that is really going to be exciting. And uh, we're deliberately going to stay in the hall and we deliberately packed out more chairs because this is exactly a prophetic declaration of the message we're going to preach. We're going to look into the life of Jonah. And um, the past few weeks we preached on stewardship and God making us and calling us to be faithful stewards with what, we, what He's given us and trusted to us. But for the next few weeks, we're going to focus on uh, Jonah's life. And I don't know, who of you have read the book of Jonah? It's one of the short books in the Bible. You can say, I've read through the whole book of Jonah. So I want to encourage you through this, out- this series, read through the book of Jonah. Read through it and follow with it and ask yourself, what are the lessons we learned from the book of Jonah? And uh, for my studies, I had to do a whole book review on, on, on Jonah. And I'm glad I don't, I'm, we're not just studying things, we can actually use it. So we're going to literally take you on a journey with us and discover that Jonah's not that far. Jonah's not that old. Jonah's actually not just somebody in the Bible, but Jonah's sitting in this hall this morning. All of you say, I am Jonah. We're going to discover that there's a lot of Jonah inside of us. We're going to discover that how much God cares about human beings through the life of Jonah. And what an incredible book. You'll also find it on your seats. We gave you a little card like this. Hold on to it. We can explain what this, what this card is for. Okay? So to all of those who are visiting us, welcome. Hope you enjoyed with us. Hope you find good connections, good relationship. We're a family, a spiritual family. We're not just a church. We never refer to ourselves as a church. Why? Because we're a spiritual family. It's a place where people belong, and it's a place where we care about one another, and it's a place where we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and let Him lead us as a family. Every human being, every man, every woman, every colleague, when you walk into your business tomorrow, when you walk into the street tomorrow, you see a human being. Keep this in mind. Every human being was created for a purpose and to live in a purpose. You see, many people wander through life and they kind of never find themselves because we were designed to live for something. Nobody was designed to live purposeless. And Christianity has proven throughout history because of the hope we have in a true God that Christians are the one faith religion in the world that can sustain hardship because of the hope inside of our hearts. Human beings are not just created for a purpose, but human beings are created valuable. You are valuable. No matter how the world has tried to devalue us, no matter how the world is trying to belittle or, 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 you know, kind of almost create camps of this is more valuable, this person or this group or that culture than this. That is not God's heart. God loves human beings. Every single human being. No matter their age, no matter their color, no matter their language. No, it doesn't even matter where they come from. God loves human beings. And this whole thing that's going on in the schools that people teach on evolution, and no matter where people stand on that, evolution has a missing link and they still teach it. You know what is the missing link? It's God. And they will never find it until they find God and then realize it's a missing link. It's God. What is the missing link? I mean, you you need more faith to believe in mud becoming purposeful than believing in evolution. 
Mud, I have believing God. It's mud, lucky mud coming together and suddenly have purpose. And suddenly out of mud, you have morality and you have consciousness and you have decisions. Have you ever seen a baboon feel guilty about killing another baboon? No, it will never happen because it is a baboon. It has no conscience. But how can a loving God, you know, not deal with evil in the world? Trust me, he dealt with evil when he nailed Jesus to the cross. And he will finally deal with evil, final deal with evil, once he comes again. And if you still want him to deal with evil, be careful, because he's going to deal with the evil right there in your chair. God does deal with evil. There's something about God that we need to understand when we come upon, you know, moments like this. All of us are dealing with people on a daily basis. Yesterday I went to go and cut my hair. And I know every single one of the people in that, you know, barber shop are not born again. Am I just cutting my hair or am I caring? Well, with that barber shop, they're in trouble because there's a lot of Christians. I mean, it's from Seed to Yaku to myself to Dippies to. I mean, yesterday I walked out and there was Maranai. He said, I'm cutting my. He says, You better pray for the guy. He says, No, I'm already having an appointment with him. So they are just surrounded by so many people. Just watch the barber shop. If you're cutting your, barber, your hair at the barber shop at, at Checkers, you be nice because we're busy reaching out to him. Don't be rude. Pay them more. Right? We're busy reaching out to them. You have a purpose. Human beings, what is of ultimate value? See, when people say they want to do business and they put their purpose to, I'm going to do this because you will never do something that you find, don't find valuable. Every single businessman on the face of the earth, no matter what they believe, they believe what they do has value, therefore it's purpose. You see, when you think about this, if you have a wrong value system, you will chase a purpose that ultimately is not of the ultimate value. And you may even misuse what is of ultimate value. What is of ultimate value? Well, we look at the creator of the universe, the owner of everything, as we just spoke in our stewardship. Human beings are of ultimate value. Your soul is of ultimate value. People are ultimate value. Those little kids are of ultimate value. And I hope through this whole series, as we go through the book of Jonah, we will see how much God cares about both the sinner and the servant. He's not choosing the one above the other. He cares about both. We're going to speak to, this, this morning, I'm going to speak about the reluctant or the rebellious servant. And we're going to look at Jonah's life. And then we're going to continue the next three weeks. And we're going to see something about God. You know, we're going to see that God is actually a provider. And he provides, you want to go out and you need to do something. Don't worry about what God's asking you. Whatever he asks you, he's already providing whatever you need. That's the kind of God we serve. You never have to fear when God asks you to do something. When God calls, He always provides. But then also we're going to look at a God who saves and a God who cares. And we hope throughout the next four weeks, not only will you be encouraged with boldness of your hearts, not only will you have a new perspective of how you live your life, but you'll feel equipped because we will make sure even at the end, that you would understand the gospel and that you have those basic steps. How do you start to share with somebody around you, your friends, your neighbors, and you can be that shining light of God. Let's jump into Jonah 1. I'm going to focus on Jonah 1 this morning. Verse 1 to 6, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amatea, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. 
But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for, the port, for that port. After paying the fare, he went abroad, aboard and sailed from Tarsus and flee from the Lord. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Then they cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking this man. Now you find here's the place where the Jonah was on the ship and suddenly a great wind arose. And in between from this next verse, you'll find that some of these people start to run around and pray to different gods. And all the gods, they ask, would you save us? And whoever has sinned against their God. And so everybody kind of prayed to their false gods. And here this captain of the ship walks, goes down into the ship. He finds Jonah asleep. And he says, you are sleeping. We're busy dying. You need to ask your God, what have you done? And Jonah says, I'm running away from my God. I'm the guilty one. That's what happened here. And Jonah recognized, it's almost like, kill me because I don't want to obey God. And he offers himself as the one guilty. And you find in verse 14, these unsaved sinners then cried out to the Lord, Oh Lord, please do not let us die for taking Jonah, this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, O oh Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah, threw him abroad, overboard, and the, ra um, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. What do we find in this passage? The first thing is you hear God's call. God's call to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. And what did the word of God say? Go to Nineveh, go to the city. And what must he do? Go and preach. Why? Because there's a people that are lost. There's a people that sins are so gross. They're, so, uh, and they're crying out to God. And God says, I don't want to destroy them. Would you be my servant to go and be used by me? This is what happened at the moment. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah. When last did you hear God's voice? God speaking to you about people around you. To go to Nineveh. Go to a specific place. This was a reckless, ungodly place that God is sending Jonah to. But Jonah didn't want to go there. And you'll see throughout the series why Jonah did not want to go to the city. What must he go and do? Preach. Share the gospel. Share Christ. If God had to call me and you today to say, go to this person, are you ready to share? Do you know what's the hope in your soul? We sing songs, Lord, we worship you. We pray to God. This God we pray to, this God we sing to, can we explain him to people? Can we in simplistic ways, you know, represent him well? Every born-again believer is called to represent God well. If you think about, you know, I know in Coca-Cola in, in, in the United States, I don't know if it's still like this now, but if they found Pepsi in your home, they fire you because you represent Coke when you work for Coca-Cola. And the same with Pepsi. When you work for Pepsi, you're not allowed to drink any Coke or any kind of thing that's made by Coke because you represent something else. If the world is so focused, friends, you and I are representing the, the King of Kings. We are representing God on earth. 
The question is not, you know, must or not. The question is, do you know, have you a desire to represent God? Because God is available and God is, is there to help you and me to represent Him. It's not a matter of fear. It's a matter of conviction. It's a matter of something in our soul has changed. Here's God is asking Jonah, go to these people and share the gospel. Here's the reality. When you and I share the gospel, it will contradict people's lifestyle. There's not one human being on the face of the earth that is not born a sinner. Nobody is born a Christian. Two weeks ago, I was driving in the inner city with Yaku, and we stopped at this one place, and we met this guy, Anare, and we started to share the gospel with him, and I asked him, what do you believe? He says, I'm a Christian. And I asked him, share with me, when did you become a Christian? And his words to me was, I was born a Christian. Now, when somebody shares that with me, I know they're not a Christian. They're traditional. They're religious. They grow up in a Christian culture. If you're born in a garage, it doesn't make you a car. If you eat McDonald's every day of your life, you'll look like one, but you are not a McDonald's burger. The fact that you come to church does not make you a Christian. Making you a Christian is somebody that has got a deep God encounter that has awakened your soul to something greater than yourself. Being born again, unless you will never see the kingdom of God, John 3 verse 3. There's something about the gospel that you and I understand. First of all, we need to experience the gospel. And the gospel needs to set me and you free from our insecurities and everything in our soul. And help us to keep on growing in Christ. But once you've experienced the gospel, there's no way you cannot want to give that to other people. Because if people are valuable, you want to give them the most valuable thing. It's God. It's got nothing with personality. It's got nothing to do with, oh, I'm an introvert. Well, introverts never share where they had a good steak. Yeah, right. See, where you eat a good steak has got nothing to do with your personality. It has to do with a good steak. God is more valuable than a good steak. Our inability to share God is the enemy's reason. It's the enemy's tactic to keep chairs open. To keep people in bondage, and we need to say, Lord, allow me to change. And I want to ask you, would you allow the next four weeks for God to, not just to change you, but to show you the value of what we're talking about and not the compulsion of this. When you feel the weight of, I must do this, you've missed the point. I must love my children. I must love my wife. That's not the point. When you find the value of your children and the value of your wife, you want to love them. And that's the same with the gospel. See, God was not just judging those people. God could have just said, you know, Jonah, step aside. I'm going to kill these guys in the enemy. It's not what he said. He said, Jonah, would you go? I care about them. Those people that, you, that really irritate you, that are really, 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 really more sinful than you, God cares about them. God loves them. Christians, I find it hard when sometimes Christians become so proud and arrogant because we're born again, that we look down upon sinners as if we saved ourselves. None of us have saved ourselves. We're saved by grace. And in the same grace that we were saved by, we care about those who are lost. We care out, we reach out. We actually suck up all the problems. We take sometimes all the blame and all the worldly sinful stuff they give us. And we hold on and we hold on. Why? Because we are there. Because we know Christ cares about them. 
The gospel confronts people's lives. You may say, I'm not an evangelist. I've had it so many times where people say, you know, we need to share the gospel. And people say, I'm not an evangelist. That's okay. You don't do ever have to be an evangelist. Is that okay? You never have to be an evangelist. Evangelist is a gifting from God. It's a calling from God. What are you then? You're a human being. And humans care. And not only a human being, if you're born again, you're a Christian. You're a human being, you care. You're a Christian, you have a job description. What is it? It's not to be an evangelist. Matthew 5 verse 13. Any one of you in the light? You are the light of the earth. Say, I am a light. Second thing is, I am a salt. Salt you put with meat, and you're going to bry this afternoon, and you add salt to it, and you make that meat tasty, but salt in a salt pot has no meaning. It loses its saltiness unless it gets out of the bottle or the whatever, the shaker. Salt in a shaker is not the purpose of salt. It needs to get out. Friends, you need to get out of the church. You need to get out of your comfort zone. You need to get out. Otherwise, it has no purpose. As long as you stay within the shaker, your problems will become bigger and bigger because whenever we look into ourselves, when you pop your eyes inward, life becomes difficult. When you look into your own brain, man, it gets ugly. We were made to look outward. Our whole life, our whole design was made to look outward, to touch, to care. And when you find, you start to love and you see people around you, things in life start to make much more sense and your own problems become like small things because you start to see the world as the bigger. Christians who live with an outward focus will overcome their issues much quicker than Christians who live with an inward focus. Counseling escalates when we become selfish. It's an outward focus in life that God's calling us to reaching out to lost people. It's not just good for them, it's good for you. It's good for me to care about people around me. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Powerful scripture. Anyone in Christ, raise your hands. Okay, hold your hands. Raise your right hand, okay? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. Whom of you are reconciled in Christ? Okay? You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Phil, what's my calling? Your calling is to care about lost people. It's a general call. It's not a specific Specific is, I'm called to be an evangelist. I'm called to be an apostle. You don't have to be an evangelist. You are called to be salt. You are called to be light. You are called to care about lost people. You are called to say hello. You are called to pray. You're called to care. You're called to stand up. You're called to make a difference in your business. You are called. You are full-time called. If you're born again, you're full-time in ministry. You have to reject the lies of tradition and the lies of religiosity that kept you in a place where, oh, I, I can't be used of God. No, my friends, the power of the church is on the other side of the pulpit. When the church awakes and you realize God can use you with your personality, with where you are, something will become alive in your soul 
then church will start to make sense for the first time in your life because it's not just what you receive, it's what you give. There are people around you that is awaiting for your response. And you'll be amazed how God can use you in your simplistic way of how you love people and care about people. You've been given the ministry of reconciliation. That is, Christ, in Christ God, was cons- uh, God was re- in Christ, Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Not counting, this sounds like Jonah, not counting the trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ. God making his appeal through us. An ambassador is someone from another nation, living in another nation, representing that nation. Why? To make people be attracted to that nation. He represents that nation and he presents that nation. You are not from this world. If you're born again, you've transitioned, you are a new creation, you are in Christ Jesus, you're representing heaven, you're representing God, you're working in a company, you're working somewhere. That person is not your boss, your boss is from another nation. It's Christ himself. And you are just representing him in an ungodly way. That's why with our whole stewardship, even if you work for an ungodly boss, so did Joseph work for Pharaoh. So did David be under the authority of Saul. We're living in a worldly place under ungodly leaders. What are we doing? We're serving still the same Jesus working for that boss. We're representing God. We are actually in a place where God's position us as an ambassador. You need to know which nation you represent. And you need to have the ability to represent them well. And that can be trained. Friends, that's the commitment we as a church have made from day one. We don't want to just keep you warm or just host you on Sundays for one hour and send you out and say, Phil, I'm not equipped, I don't know what to do. And then we say, we hope you get it on Google. No, we don't want you to be Google Christians. That's why we put you in small groups. That's why we disciple you. We walk with you. We journey with you. We lay your foundations. At the same time, when you experience it, we teach you how you can share it with other people. And as you start to share it, life starts to become beautiful. People start to become valuable. And God's kingdom is attractive. What is the application from this passage? God is calling each one of us. Just... For yourself, think about this. Have you ever, ever shared the gospel with anybody? And if it's no, it's okay. Because this is the opportunity. We want to help you. How do you share the gospel? You don't have to feel guilty. At least just know where you're at. Have you shared the gospel ever with anybody? Intentionally sharing, not just loving, but sharing the gospel, sharing Christ who died. Awful, but what's the gospel? Well, I hope in the next four weeks you'll walk away knowing the gospel. Knowing what's the hope inside of us. Born again believers. This is the foundation of what we believe. We need to know the gospel so that we can share the gospel and represent the gospel. And you'll be amazed just you knowing the gospel already is the power so that others can get saved. And I know inside of us sometimes there's fear, there's rejection, there's things we face in our lives. Christ can heal us from that. You don't have to allow that to define your obedience any longer. You can be used by God and don't embrace any other lie. Say to yourself, I want to be used by God. I will no longer be like Jonah. 
I'm going to be an obedient servant. Who is currently in your Nineveh that God is sending? Who are the people who are living in Nineveh where God says, go to Nineveh? Oh God, I want to get out and work for a Christian company. Why do you want to do that? I work with Christians all the day. I work for the church. I have to go to a soccer field, to a rugby field, to a cricket field to find sinners. I mean, my staff are saved. Why do you want to come and work on our staff? I wish I was you getting out there in the world. Go to Nineveh and share the gospel. You have a privilege. You're not disadvantaged. You're privileged representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in an ungodly place. Find a different perspective of life. Start to dream like a Christian. Don't think, oh, let's huddle up all the Christians. Why do you want to do that? When you take all the Christians, you put them in one place and you close them off from the world, they get rotten. They get confused. They start to eat each other up. Why? Because when you take purpose out of Christianity, you lose Christianity. Christianity at the core of it is outreach. It's caring about the lost. How do I know that? God left heaven, came to earth, made man. Man sinned. God left heaven, sent his son to die on a cross. God has always been on a mission. We serve a missional God. If we, the church is serving God, then the church is a missional church. And if she's not on mission, is she really the church? The church is not about the four walls that we have comfy. The church of God is the redemptive plan of Christ, getting the unchurched and the unsaved back to God and saving them. How does he do it? He used normal men and women who are willing and available to say, Lord, I will not be like Jonah running away. Use me. You find the further part, verse 3, but Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Found a ship, paid a fee, got on a ship, and wanted to run away from God. But Jonah ran away. Friends, how many times God says, do this, and you run away. I was one day on my way home while I lived in Fixburg. Drove past the hotel, and I saw a motorcycle. I know that that motorcycle belonged to a guy called Krista. It's 10.30 at night. God says, go to the hotel and go and share the gospel with this guy. I was tired. Sadly, I ran away. I said, Lord, not now. Most probably is going to be in a hotel. Most probably is going to be drunk. Lord, it's not. I'll go to him tomorrow. And ultimately, sadly, I disobeyed. I, Philip, disobeyed. That night he died in a motorcycle accident. That night. I don't, I, I no longer feel guilty about it. But I learned a hard lesson. My disobedience always will pay a price. Here's Jonah, running away from God. He's not just running away from people. He's not just running away from, from a purpose. He's running away from a person, Jesus Christ. What does he do? He goes to Tarshish. Tarshish was a busy city where business was happening. Friends, don't let your business be your runaway. Don't you being a businessman or a businesswoman be the excuse why you can't reach out. Don't let that become your Tarshish. Because you're going to pay a price. He got onto a ship, found something else, found a different purpose that's going to take him in a different direction. How many of us are on on the wrong ship? God's calling us back that we come back to Christ. And he paid a fee whenever we disobey God. Take in consideration 
it comes with a hefty bill. It comes at relational pain. It comes at purpose loss. There's so many things that goes wrong when we disobey God. God is calling us that we will surrender ourselves to Him. What did, Job, what did Jonah do? He, he wanted to associate. He was more okay with being around lost people and sinners than being with God and working in His purpose. I've seen so many Christians. They want to relate with the world more than with God. They want to relate more with sinners than with God's people and God's purpose. That's exactly what Jonah was doing here. Running away, associating with the world and could not submit and surrender himself. He was isolating himself from God, running away out of his insecurities, rebellion, isolating himself. What does Proverbs 18 verse 1 say? Say, whoever isolates himself seeks his own desires. He breaks out against all sound judgment. He becomes unteachable. A man who isolates himself becomes unteachable. He seeks his own desires. I've seen it when, why, why is he using the word isolation? When you phone our friend Jackie in China, where they do, I mean, a lot of church is happening there. God is doing amazing thing in China. The government of China persecutes Christians, but they're not persecuting individuals. You're allowed to be a Christian in China today, as long as you don't gather with others. The moment you gather, the government wants to shut it down. Why? Because individual Christians are powerless. The eye there, the hand there, the lungs there, and the heart there has no purpose. The eye, the lung, and the hands, everything only gets purpose when you connect it to the body. And when you put it in the right position in the body, and it starts to function with the body, and the body starts to work together, now there is power. Friends, the whole thing of individualistic Christianity is not even scriptural. We need to be together. We need to join hands together. Even sitting at TV and watching TV and thinking, it's not going to increase. Why? Because the TV cannot ask you questions, and the TV can't keep you accountable, and the TV is not going to train you. And the TV is definitely not going to do your funeral. You need relationships. You need to come to a place where it's comfortable and uncomfortable, where you are called to and where you are encouraged to and you are trained and equipped. That's what God is calling us. He's bringing us into a body. Isolation is your enemy. God is calling us that we won't run away from him. You see, he let the ship go shipwreck. Many times God will take your ship and break it, destroy it, bring it to a stop. Not because he wants to kill you, he wants to save you. He saved Jonah, but he, re he caused the ship to be totally destroyed. The last part of verse 4, he says, but the Lord. You see, you find a little thing here. You see Jonah, God calls him, and then the Bible says, but Jonah, but, contrast. And then Jonah ran away. Now you see what? But God. It's amazing how gracious God is. But the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. A violent storm arose that the ship threatened to, be break, to break up. But the Lord. Was this bad or negative? Positive? The Lord 
cared so much about Jonah, he was willing to bring his ship to an end. Because he wanted Jonah to see the purpose of his life. Jonah's storm was caused by God. Don't fight storms. Seek God. Ask God, why is there a storm? Allow the storm to bring you closer to Jesus and not further from Jesus. The wrong ship will always threaten God's purpose. The wrong ship that you're on will float in the wrong direction. See, God still cared about Jonah. Even in the midst that Jonah disobeyed God, God still cared. God wanted Jonah to be with him because he knew what's best for him. What was God's heart towards the sinners? We see God's heart towards Jonah. And you'll find right through the passage how God cares about Jonah. Verse 14, then they cried out to the Lord, these sinners, O Lord, please do not let us die from taking this man's life. Don't keep us accountable. And they recognize that God will do ultimately what he pleased to do. Jonah could not recognize thing. God in the midst of his, he wanted to run away from God. These sinners don't even know God and they turn to God. What's God's response? Friends, why would God take a born-again believer like you and me and inconvenience us to put us among sinners and say, preach the gospel and your most probably can be, will be rejected. They might not understand but go and do that. Why would God do that? Because he cares not just about you. He also cares about the person that needs to be saved. Right here you see these sinners respond to God. And what does God do? And the Lord listened. And the moment, the moment they threw Jonah overboard. If you felt that sinners have sometimes thrown you under the bus. Some of it is wrong. Some of you may be in the wrong ship. Maybe you've joined up in the wrong place. And sinners are going to throw you overboard. Because when things get scary, they're going to blame you. But in the midst of that dysfunction, God is faithful. In the midst of this, God is still caring. And here these sinners turn to God and they say, Lord, would you please not keep us accountable? And God heard them and immediately the storm calmed down. At this, the men greatly feared God and offered sacrifices to the Lord. They took Jonah, threw him aboard. Sometimes sinners do things to us, but we were not supposed to be there in the first place. Sometimes we find ourselves in the wrong place because we've been running away from God. God is calling us to walk a close road with him. They had a greater fear for the Lord than the servant of God. These sinners had a greater fear of God than Jonah himself. And we learn from here, the runaway servant, or you could be the repentant sinner. Both God is gracious, he's merciful. Friends, as I conclude this morning, Deep inside of me, Philip, I find Jonah many times. Deep inside of me, I sometimes say to the place, God, not now, it's inconvenient. 
And God is not asking for us for perfection because none of us will get it right. <sighs> you won't. God's asking for a humble heart. Would you be willing? Would you say, Lord, help me, use me, show me, train me? If you want to be trained, we'll train you. We're committed to do that. We'll help you. How do you share the gospel? Start to think about it. Salt. Start a conversation. Ask questions. I'm sitting on an airplane next to this gentleman. Ask his name. He gave me his name. Start to ask him questions. What do you do? I work on an oil rig. Where? There. Oil rig. Oh, that's you're a long time from home. How long? Three months. Are you married? Yes, I'm married. How's your marriage? What am I doing? I'm asking questions. Oh, my marriage is under strain. How long have you been married? Two years. Oh, that's tough being away. Three months. How long are you home? Three months, three months, three months. How long are you going to keep on doing this? Are you planning on having children? How's your marriage? Just through start a conversation, ask questions. But because I also understand the basics of the gospel, I started to share the gospel with him on the airplane. Before we landed in PE, he got born again. I can tell you story upon story upon story. Sometimes I just share the gospel without having the moment of praying with them. But my life, your life should be like this. Can we move people from minus eight to minus four to minus two? Can we just move them closer to Jesus when they meet us? Not further? Can you move the waitress just two steps closer to Jesus, not two steps further from Jesus? Can you move your boss and people that you work with closer to Jesus, not further from Jesus when they meet you? See, the closer they get, you may not pray the prayer, but you are busy evangelizing their soul closer to Jesus. Start a conversation. Ask questions. L, listen. Listen. They're going to give you clues. Standing next to the rugby field with a lot of parents shouting out children. And we go, oh, go, go, go. And I'm trying to make friends while I'm watching you. I'm trying to navigate who's open. And those who are open get closer, closer, closer to them. And some of them on our church today, where did I meet them? Next to the rugby field where you also stood. Our lives matter. You see, when we look at Jonah's life, God wants to give us purpose in life. And purpose has to do with people. When God asks us to reach out and to engage, let's not be like the runaway Jonah. Let's rather be like the repentant sinner. Lord, help us. Father, I pray today. You know where every person is sitting today. You know where they're at. And friends, as we're sharing the gospel, what does the gospel do? The gospel does not just call sinners to repentance. The gospel also expose believers to where we're at, and God calls us closer. God calls me and you closer to Him. What is holding you back? You say, Phil, I'm born again. What is holding you back? Christ even died for that thing. Is it fear? Is it you're afraid people are going to reject you? Those are normal experiences. May in the next four weeks, God help you to overcome those things. May in the next four weeks, God help you to conquer the fear in your heart. Is it insecurity? Maybe it's time that you find yourself in Christ. Do you become secure in God? 
Is it because you don't know what to say? We can train you. We can help you what to share and how to share. You'll never share perfectly. That's not the goal. The goal is to be obedient. Lord, I pray this morning, would you give us just the willingness to avail ourselves to be used of you? If you're sitting here this morning and first of all you say, Phil, I'm not sure I'm born again. I'm not sure my life is right with God. I want to pray for you. Is there anybody? Your life is not right with God. I want to pray with you. Anybody? Just raise your hand. I want to just pray with you. I see the hand. Anybody else? This is a great moment. I'm going to ask those of you who raised your hands, would you pray with me this prayer? Pray with me, Lord Jesus. I give you my life this morning. I want to be like the repentant sinners who turn to you and you save them. This morning, I'm giving you my life. I don't want to be like that anymore. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I'm embracing you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray that. Father, I pray for these precious people who've raised their hands. May their lives never be the same again. Thank you for the regenerating spirit awakening their lives to know you, to love you, to seek you, to desire you. In Jesus' name. I want to do a second call. You are born again. But you've been like the runaway Jonas. Lord, it's not me. It's not for me. So we clear it. You don't have to be evangelist. But you are still light. You are still salt. You are still ambassador of Christ. That through you, God wants to see people around you saved. And all God is asking, not for perfection, He says, will you be available? If you say, Lord, I face fear, insecurity, rejection, all of that's okay. Would you bring all of that to Christ? Lord, I will no longer allow these things to make me fruitless. I will no longer allow these things. Ignorance, we can train you. There is no excuse that caused you and me to stay fruitless. It's only a will's desire. It's a decision of your will. If you say, Lord, I no longer will allow my work, my business, my Tarshish to be my excuse for not reaching out to people. That is you. I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you. I don't want to be like Jonah, Lord. Help me. Would you raise your hands with me? Pray this loud out after me. Lord Jesus, today I refuse to be like runaway Jonah. I ask you, Lord, would you give me a new heart, a desire to follow you. Give me a love for the lost and the unchurched, even if they irritate me, even if they bother me. Help me to love them. Help me to care. Help me to reach out to make a difference. Father, I thank you as your people are standing here, Lord, may, will you use them? Will you give them names? Will you this week already put people on their path that they can just love upon, care, Father, and start to reach out? Bless them, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.